the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Berkman, host of Plan Your State Radio, broadcasting from my office in San Jose, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose, if you're familiar with that. I've been here uh, approaching two years now in this location, and I'm finding it just a much better location all the way around, um, especially since there's encouraging news on the home front. Um, those of you who have been I've uh, been following for a while. Know that I have um, I have daughters, twin daughters who are actually seventh graders, and um, they finished out their sixth grade year with remote learning, which um, didn't work all that well, and uh, and and they had to start this year with remote learning, and uh, they're kind of surviving, but one of them surviving barely. But we got news from the school that because Santa Clara County has moved now into the the red zone, um, isn't it nice now that we can go by colors about uh, how our counties are with whether they can open up or not? I mean, it's almost like being back in kindergarten, isn't it? Um, okay, enough snark there. But uh, because my county, Santa Clara County, has moved into the red zone, if we can stay there for 14 days then um, my children will be able to go back to school in person. And uh, they want to go back. Their friends all want to go back. The teachers want them back. And uh, there will be some kids probably that will continue with the remote learning uh, because they live in households that have uh, perhaps very high-risk family members living there, such as a parent with... uh, with health issues or a compromised immune system or uh, an elderly grandparent or two. And so they may continue with the remote learning, but uh, my kids uh, may be able to go back to school in as little as uh, a week and a half. I'm excited about that. I don't know how you all feel about that. Um, But again, this is um, my family, my children. It's a decision we've made. And um, if they're able to go back to school in person, I think it's absolutely essential for them to be able to do that because what it's going to do is it's going to give them the ability to socialize again. Um, And at this age, at at the age of 12 and 7th grade, socialization is so important. Um, I remember how important it was for me in the 7th grade, even though I had a very small 7th grade at the school I was at. Being able to interact 
with, uh, with classmates and peers and interact directly with the teachers. So important in my social development. And, uh, and I'm very, very grateful that my children may be able to go back and have in-person instruction. There'll be social distancing. Their desks will be set apart. They'll be wearing masks throughout the day. And they have to stay in their respective classroom groups for the whole day. There will be staggered arrivals for school and staggered departures at the end of the day for school so we don't have several hundred children milling around at the same time. But still, I find that encouraging. Uh, Let's hope that all of our counties move their way through, and let's hope that at some point um, our governor will decide to put a green color on his color coding, which means... um, Everything's back to normal. We can resume our normal activities like we did before the pandemic came in. Right now, there is no green, so there is no uh, there is no way to return to normal. Hopefully, uh, over time, the governor will reconsider that and uh, consider that maybe at some point the state needs to get back to something much closer to what we had before everything was shut down all these um, basically six months ago. It's hard to believe. These last six months have been the longest five years of my life, and I think you you know what I mean by that. Uh, but that being said, I am open for business. I am still assisting people with their estate plans. I'm still doing court work with the specialized petitions that I do. Um, I'm happy to meet with people in person in my office And I'm also happy to conduct all meetings and consultations using um, a Zoom-type service that I use. I don't use Zoom for those because I don't consider it to be as reliable as it needs to be in order to conduct a professional practice. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I use a different service that has never failed me uh, at any time. It doesn't get overwhelmed with uh, too many people trying to use it at the same time. It doesn't have the technical problems that Zoom seems to have at least once every week. <clears throat> so my usual format for this show is to cover questions and answers from around the state of California to, to read situations or tell you situations and then give my commentary as an estate planning attorney on what I think the issues are, maybe how to resolve the situation. These are actual situations posted by people that um, that are looking for answers from attorneys such as myself. Sometimes I respond to them in writing. <clears throat> More recently, I respond by going on the air and discussing these situations with you out there in the listening audience. If you would like to call in and ask me a question on the air, I'm happy to do that. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com, R-A-D-I-O at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And I can answer your questions there if you want to do it that way instead. So can, whoops, excuse me. Continuing on with my usual format, let's jump into the first question. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Okay, okay, here's one out of Cerritos, California. And it has to do with Proposition 13, 
uh, property taxes. Now, if you own real estate, you know that you pay real property taxes every year. And uh, this particular question is talking about um, is talking about um, the what's called the parent to child transfer exclusion from reassessment. Person says my mother-in-law is on our home loan and title for our house in California. We're currently benefiting from Proposition 13 property taxes. Um, will this end on my mother-in-law's death? Is she able to sign this benefit over to her son as a gift? Does it only apply to this property, or would it be grandfathered in if we moved into another home within the same county? We also have a trust created but have not transferred the house into the trust because we don't want to lose these benefits. So it sounds like mother-in-law's on the home loan and on the title. So mother-in-law's on the title, presumably with son and daughter-in-law. Um, if the mother-in-law sets up an estate plan leaving her share of the property to her son, the property tax will not be reassessed. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, if they move, if they move, sell this house, move into another home, well, they can't really move that over to the other home um, unless they're over 55 years of age and sometimes only within the same county. So in a situation like this, um, that you would really need to get together with someone like me to go over the scenarios and make sure that things are structured properly so that there's not a reassessment of property taxes uh, when somebody in the equation dies. We're coming up on the first break in the show today, and uh, when we come back after that break, I will be continuing with more Plan Your Estate Radio. Uh, you can always call in at 800-516-1220 or email me at radio at lawbob.com. But until after the break, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Okay, so welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, you can call in, though, 800-516-1220 if you'd like to speak with me on the air today. So here's one out of Pasadena. Uh, says... Uh, the question is, can my father rent his house to a family member when the house is in the father's irrevocable trust? Okay, it says, my father lives elsewhere, has an old house that's currently vacant and in great disrepair. My father wants to let a grandson repair the house to make it livable so that the grandson can move in to rent it from my father. My father wants to let the grandson rent the house at a 50% discount of the fair market value for a rental in this area. I'm the trustee to my father's trust. So it sounds like the father doesn't actually own the trust. It's hard. And they say irrevocable trust. That usually means a person has given the property away into a trust and doesn't own it anymore. Um, it says the grandson who wants to move in is my sister's son. If my sister dies before my father, the grandson's listed as a beneficiary of the father's trust. What are the pros and cons? Well, this person seems to think it's a bad idea. I don't know the family dynamics here. 
I don't know if the person asking the question doesn't like his nephew, who's the grandson, or doesn't like his sister. But um, the if he's in charge of the trust and the father actually doesn't own the property because it's truly an irrevocable trust that means that it's not the father's property, well, then this person asking the question is the one uh, to decide whether or not this can be done. If the father is the beneficiary of this trust, then the the son asking the question has to uh, has to ask himself if I let this happen and uh, rent the house at a fifty percent discount, am I actually violating my responsibilities to my father as the beneficiary by not getting a market rent for this property from my nephew, the grandson? Um, that's, I think, an excellent question here. Um, that would be the thing I, if they came to me, that would be the thing I'd ask them. Now, if the grandson's going to repair the house, then maybe you could quantify, (coughs) excuse me, boy, it's all the smoke in the air. Um, maybe you could quantify the, um, the value of those repairs and have that be part of the, rent, if you will, paid because he's fixing up the property so it can be livable. And then uh, a discount might be appropriate. The question is, should it be a discount for for always or maybe a discount for an amount of time equal to what it would be to um, to credit back what the grandson what the grandson had put into fixing up the house? I mean, it's um the the thing is, when you have family dynamics like this, as a general rule, you really want to have everybody on the same page, maybe even everybody agreeing in writing that this is okay with them. And, uh, and especially if you're the trustee of this trust, you want buy-in from everybody that they understand what's going on and they consent to it so that it doesn't come back on you later on when someone complains, well, you shouldn't have done that because you just gave in to dad and he really didn't have any right to say that and so on and so on and so on. Okay. Ooh, here's one here. Um, so it says, my father got my dad to sign his house over to her illegally. Now, presumably that means... Um, the or my sister got my dad to sign his house over to her illegally. Um, presumably that means the sister tricked the father into signing a deed giving his house to her. Um, the, the question was, she lives in San Bernardino, dad lives in Norwalk. Do I file my case in Los Angeles County or San Bernardino? Well, I would say uh, something like that. You would probably file in the county where the house is located, which sounds like Norwalk, which sounds like Los Angeles County. But this kind of thing is basically, um, I see this kind of thing happen now and then, where a family member induces an elderly parent or other relative to sign over property to them. It's not appropriate at all. It's, uh, It's probably... Um, maybe borderline illegal and actionable under the penal code uh, where there could be criminal penalties associated with it. 
depending on the age of the father, it could be elder financial abuse, in which case, um, instead of filing a lawsuit, um, perhaps going directly to the district attorney and filing a complaint, that might be able to move more quickly getting the property restored back to the father than trying to, to file a lawsuit of some kind. In fact, just the threat of that, and I don't mean that, that you threaten the sister, but just getting the, the county involved um, with an investigation might be sufficient to get the sister to voluntarily transfer the property back to her father, um, maybe as a way to avoid prosecution uh, for uh, financial elder abuse. Okay, uh, let's see. If my sister and I are listed in our father's trust as 50-50 beneficiaries and our children are written in as next in line so that if she or I die before our father, then are those children still considered to be beneficiaries now even though they're secondary beneficiaries? Um, The answer is kind of a yes and no. Yes, they are a type of beneficiary we would call the contingent remainder beneficiary, meaning um, they only inherit from the trust if the parent um, that they came from has died. But they, uh, but even the children are not current beneficiaries. Um, they are remainder beneficiaries, and nobody is a current beneficiary right now except the father in that situation. Okay. Um, so here's someone saying, I'm a hospice nurse. My home patient is alert and oriented. He and his daughter asked me to witness him sign a will change. The daughter had done photography for my son's girlfriend. Would I be jeopardizing my license or face legal action? I would advise anybody who is a caregiver not to be signing as a witness to a testamentary document like a will or a change to a will. Uh, it should it should be complete either completely unrelated parties. It could be neighbors, but it should not be a caregiver because um, that could very well jeopardize your license because you're you're getting yourself in the middle of potentially a fight over uh, the change and was it appropriate and should you be a witness. I would advise against getting involved in that. So we're coming up now on the second break of the show today. Um, When I come back, We'll continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. You can always call me at 800-516-1220 or email your question to radio at lawbob.com. So when we come back after the break, we'll continue with the second half of Plan Your State Radio. This is your host, Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So, continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California, we have one here that is uh, coming out of Ontario, California. Not to be confused with Ontario, Canada, although when you look at the abbreviation Ontario CA, you might think it is Canada, because I think Canada uses the same abbreviation uh, for websites. Uh, in Canada. So 
In any event, drifting off into the weeds there, Bob, I'm going to bring myself back now. This question has to do with a check made out to a deceased parent for $150, and the parent had no will and no trust. And the question is, can we cash the check? A person said they went to the bank. The bank had me fill out a small estate affidavit because, well, the $150 is a lot less than $166,250, which is the amount that you can use a small estate affidavit for. The problem is... Dad owns real estate, and if someone owns real estate, then to use the small estate affidavit, you have to have the real estate appraised to make sure that the value of the real estate plus the value of what the of the asset that you're trying to use the affidavit for does not exceed one hundred and sixty six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars so um So the family says they decided that financially probate was not worth going for as the house was bought two years ago and there's still a lot owned on the loan. Does that mean I won't be able to cash out the check or is there something I can do? I'll tell you what, the only thing you can do is go into probate. You can't do anything with with dad's house as long as it's in dad's name, whether it's got a big loan on it or not. If you wanted to refinance that loan you can't do it because it's in dad's name if you wanted to sell that property to get out from under the loan you can't do that because it's in dad's name and you also can't do anything with that hundred and fifty dollar check because i'm sure if we're talking a house the market value is likely well more than a hundred and sixty six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars even in ontario california So the short answer is, all you can do is file for that probate to get the title to the house cleared and to be able to take that check and negotiate it. Otherwise, just basically throw the check away because you're never going to be able to cash it. That's, That's kind of the reality right there. Okay, here's a couple talking about uh, they're from Laverne, California. Not sure exactly where that is. They're soon to be married. Each of us own our individual property, and currently we live in his property. We want our own children to inherit our individual property, but want, but I, this is the, the soon-to-be wife speaking, wants to be able to remain in his home if he dies first, and then when I die, his children will inherit his property, and my children will inherit my property. Can this be created with a prenuptial agreement or do we need an estate trust plan? I think this is an estate plan issue. It could be set up so that the property, his property, is retained in trust for her to live in for her lifetime and then passed on either if she decides she doesn't want to live there anymore and moves out, then it could be distributed to his children or passed on to his children at her death. Uh, and then, of course, her property passing on to her own children at her death. This is a fairly common type of estate planning. Um, and uh, if we have two people that each have their own property, they could either do a joint plan where they spell all this out, 
or they could each do individual trust-based estate plans and the husband could in his plan say on my death if my wife is still alive she has the right to live in the property maybe there's provisions that say she will pay for the taxes and insurance and uh, normal maintenance on the property while she's living there. Uh, Maybe she won't rent out rooms. Um, If she remarries, then maybe she gives up the right to live in the property. Maybe even she will not cohabitate with um, with um, another, a new boyfriend or a new spouse or something like that. There's a lot of ways that that can be written up to make sure that the intention is carried out so that um, that the, the wife, if she survives, so that she could occupy her husband's property for the remainder of her life or until she moves or until maybe one of the conditions for her living there um, ha- has been violated and then she can be asked to move. Does the ownership interest held by a trust in tenancy in common pass to the beneficiary's estate or heirs upon death. So what this sounds like is there's maybe two people, maybe a brother and a sister. One of them owns their share of a property in their trust and the other one does not. Well, if an ownership interest is held by a trust, then then that means when the owner of the trust dies, that ownership interest passes to whoever is the beneficiary of the trust. Um, So it doesn't go to the beneficiary's estate. It goes to the beneficiary. If the beneficiary has already died, then you look and see, are there alternate beneficiaries if that original beneficiary has already died? Um, So that's where a trust would take care of something like that much more easily and in a much more uh, straightforward manner than anything else of which I'm aware. Okay. How can the grantor or settlor of a trust leave property to his successor trustee? Grantor of a trust, he wants to leave all personal and real property to his successor trustee, but the laws say the successor trustee can't be a beneficiary and receive anything from the estate. Well, let's pause right there. I don't know where someone got that notion. There is no law at all in California or anywhere else in the country that I'm aware of that says a successor trustee can't be a beneficiary and can't receive anything from someone's estate, from their trust. In fact, that's probably the most common thing you see. Mom and dad die. The successor trustee is their oldest daughter or son who is also going to inherit from the trust, inherit from the estate. Um, so so <laughs> the, the, the person want to know, how can you write in your trustee intends to leave things to the trustee so they don't get into trouble for receiving it? Well, the only issue might be if the successor trustee is not a normal heir, um, but someone like completely unrelated or someone completely random, there might be an issue of challenging whether the successor trustee took advantage of someone and managed to get themselves into the distribution plan of the trust when they really should not be in there at all. But in the usual case, a successor trustee 
is often someone who is going to inherit uh, property from a trust when the creator of the trust, the settlor or grantor, has died. So I'm not sure where all that came from. Um, And there certainly is no law that says a successor trustee uh, is not permitted to receive property from a trust. Okay, um, do I have a right to a copy of a trust that my children are in? My children were 8 and 10 years old when their wealthy grandparents died. I struggled to raise them, and they're struggling now while they're in college. They will not ask for a copy of the grandparents' trust because they're afraid of their father. I'd like to know if my and their rights were violated. Well, unless the children were direct beneficiaries of their wealthy grandparents' trust, they're not entitled to see a copy of the trust at all. It's likely the only one that has a copy of the trust is their father, who inherited from the wealthy grandparents because he's the son. If he chooses to share the information in that trust with his own children, that's up to him. Uh, The likelihood is that there is no trust anymore, that uh, everything was distributed out to the son, the father of these children. It sounds like maybe um, the, the mother and father are divorced at this time. And uh, and that would mean that the property's now his and the grandparents' trust is not relevant anymore legally uh, because it probably everything was distributed out. Now, if in fact they were beneficiaries of the trust, direct beneficiaries when the grandparents died, they're entitled to a copy of the trust and entitled to receive whatever was left to them in whatever form it was left to them. But that's not something in front of me here. I think the probability is that they're not entitled to a copy of anything because nothing was left to them, which means they're not beneficiaries entitled to receive uh, a copy of the trust at all. Okay, can I sell it? Can I? Okay, Uh, we got about a minute to go in this segment. So I'm going to set up this question for the final segment today. Um, I'm the executor of my mom's probate estate. I need to sell property to pay all expenses and give beneficiaries their equal shares. Do I have to sell the property before final distribution or after? So with that question floating out there, we're going to come back after the break for the final segment of the show today. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I will answer that question when we return after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back for the final segment of the show today. I won't be taking any calls in this segment, so if you decided to wait until this time to call in, I'm not going to take any calls. I'm just going to finish out the show today with a few more questions and comments from around the state of California. And then uh, when I'm done, I'm going to throw a mask back on my face because I've got the outside air slowly but surely infiltrating my office since I have an outside entrance to my office 
and it's actually starting to get to be fairly bad air in my office. So uh, once I wrap up, I plan on throwing a mask back on and heading home and probably going to go on to Amazon and order an air filter system for my office. Never thought I'd need to do that, but the air quality is so bad out there. If you've ever lived or visited um, Los Angeles, say 40 years ago, um, the Santa Clara Valley looks at least as bad or maybe even worse than Los Angeles 40 years ago. Um, uh, my producer was saying he half expected to see Sherlock Holmes come walking through the fog um, because it's that uh, dirty air out there. Very bad. Um, I'm doing something now that I thought I'd never do, which is driving around with a mask on in the car. Um, but I'm doing it because it's it's hard to breathe even inside my car, recirculating the air. So for all of you out there, I just want to say try to avoid going outdoors this weekend if you possibly can. And if you do, make sure you've got your face covered. Maybe even put an extra layer or a couple masks on to try and filter out as much as possible. It is very bad out there today. Now, before the break, I posed a question, which is a um, person asked, uh, said, uh, I'm the executor of my mom's probate estate. I need to sell property to pay all expenses and give the beneficiaries their equal shares. Do I have to sell the property before final distribution or after? Well, I think the answer there is in order to give people their equal shares, if you want to give them cash, you have to sell the property during the probate and then report that sale as part of the final uh, final distribution plan, uh, report that to the court so that you can then distribute cash. Otherwise, if you wait until after the final distribution order, the final distribution order will say distribute the shares of the property to the beneficiaries, to the heirs, uh, not cash or not their percentage interest. You'd have to distribute the percentage interest in the property to them. You would no longer have the authority to be really selling the property because the order was to distribute the property, not to sell it. So I think the uh, the answer here is you have if you're going to distribute cash rather than the property itself, then you need to sell the property during the probate uh, so that you actually have cash in the bank to distribute once you get the order for distribution from the court. So, uh, let's see. Do I need to lodge a will if there's a living trust? My father and mother have a living trust. My father passed away recently. His will was part of the estate plan. I was told to lodge the will, but also that I don't need to. Not sure if I need to lodge the will if they have a living trust. This is an interesting question because under the law, you have to take the will of somebody who has died and within 30 days of death, the law requires whoever is the custodian of that will, meaning whoever has custody or has it in their hands, controls it, that they have to take and they have to file that in the county where the person who died was resident. So if you lived in Los Angeles and died, your will has to be lodged or filed with the Los Angeles County Probate Court. Now, when you have a living trust, 
in the vast majority of cases, that's intended to replace the will as far as the distribution of your property. Uh, You don't use the will to distribute your property. The trust has the instructions to distribute your property. That being said, the law still requires the will to be lodged or filed with the court, even if you're not going to file a probate. Now, when people ask me, do we have to file the will? Because they find out it's going to charge, the court's going to charge them $50 to file that will. And they say, why should we file it? We're not using it. No one's going to use it. Uh, All of the heirs or the children, we know what's going on. And I tell them that the law requires you to file the will. If you don't file the will and nobody ever complains about it, then... Oh, well, then then it doesn't really matter that you didn't file the will. The concern is if there are potential heirs out there that would want to see a copy of the will, if it's not filed or not lodged, then whoever had the responsibility for doing that can be now liable for any losses suffered by the person because they couldn't see the will. Now, if, if everyone who's inheriting that's going to inherit, there's no losses to suffer. If someone was disinherited by the estate plan, then the fact the will wasn't lodged probably doesn't really mean anything either because they're still not going to inherit. But I always tell people, lodge the will, pay the 50 bucks, then you're not worried about it. So we're about to wrap it up for today. I hope you've enjoyed today's Plan Your Estate Radio. I should be back next Friday with another, uh, another show. So until next Friday. Take care of yourselves. Try not to breathe outside as much as possible. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and have a great and productive weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.